Let's turn to Genesis chapter 20. Genesis chapter 20. This is the word of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, She is my sister? And she, even she herself, said, He is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart, for I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning, called all his servants, and told all these things in their hearing. And the men were very much afraid. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? How have I offended you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you have in view that you have done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will kill me on account of my wife. But indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, This is your kindness that you should do for me in every place. Wherever we go, say of me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech took sheep, oxen, and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham. And he restored Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, See, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. Then to Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody. Thus she was rebuked. So Abraham prayed to God. And God healed Abimelech, his wife and his female servants. Then they bore children. For the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And our New Testament text, Romans five fifteen to 21. Romans five fifteen to 21. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. 
For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's pray and ask God to bless His Word to us. Gracious Father, we once again bow before You and ask that You take this Word, plant it deep in our hearts, Lord, that it might take much root. Let it not be uh, the Word that falls on hard soil. Let our hearts not be hardened in their unbelief. Let our hearts not be shallow soil where the growth is quick, but it's also quickly choked out by the cares and concerns of the world. Lord, let, let the growth uh, be good. Let the soil of our hearts be good soil, rich soil, in which Your Word puts down deep roots and bears fruit to eternal life, even a hundredfold. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The song lyric that my kids like, it's actually a, a, a little rap that they like. Um, I'm not going to try to rap it for you, um, but I'll give you the lyric. It, it says, Abraham, sorry, Adam wasn't good enough. Noah wasn't good enough. Abraham wasn't good enough. It's only Jesus. And the song goes on. It works through all the greats, the great heroes right, of the, of the Bible. None of them's good enough. It's only, it's only Jesus. Over and over in the Bible, we see that, that point illustrated powerfully for us, sometimes painfully. Um, it's not, the Bible is not a catalog of, of great heroes to emulate. Not first of all. They're great heroes of the faith there, of course. But first of all, it's a record of man's sin, man's failure, abundant sin and failure. And then in the midst of all this, God's saving grace at work. His grace to save his people from Genesis to Revelation. God's the hero. Reaching in, coming to sinners, saving them by his sovereign grace. It's good news for us. Um, because if that's not what we saw in the Bible, um, uh, if we just looked at the Bible and saw all these people who had figured it out and had these perfect lives, uh, then, then, uh, then, then that would mean that it's up to us that, that uh, if Abraham's stories about how he obeyed God so well and so perfectly, God would effectively be saying to us, Abraham obeyed, now it's your turn. Why, why can't you obey? Why can't you shape up and, 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 live, and live a faithful life for me? Uh, but what we see here in the text is that, uh, that uh, Abraham fails again. He sins again, and God's grace abounds to him. And that's, the, that's, that's what we see here in the text. We see highlighted for us the, um, the, the, the grace of God for sinners. Uh, the extent of his grace, the consistency of his grace. This story shows us Abraham completely fails. He sins in exactly the same way he sinned before, but God still intervenes to save him, to show him grace, and to actually bless him on top of it all. Um, it just shows us just how far God's grace goes. That it's far enough to go to the depths of my sin. That it's consistent enough to meet my inconsistencies and your inconsistencies. Three points as we work through Genesis chapter 20. Number one, a familiar failure. Verses one and two, a familiar failure. Failure. Um, 
deja vu here in chapter 20. Abraham is, is messing up in exactly the same way he messed up uh, several years ago, many years ago. Um, if, if we look all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, remember there, Abraham, there's a famine in the land, so he takes his wife Sarah, and they go down to Egypt for a little while, and um, they, 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 come to, uh, they come to Pharaoh down in Egypt, and Abraham says to Sarah, tell, tell him you're, you're my sister um, and, and, and so that I'm not killed. Sarah's a pretty, pretty woman, pretty wife. And, and Abraham's worried, if I go, the king of Egypt's going to want to take her for himself. Um, it's, it's failure, right? It's sin. He, he, he's exposing his wife to danger and harm. He's putting himself first. Uh, he's only thinking of saving his own skin. He's not trusting in the Lord and the way the Lord provides and protects. The Lord forgives him. That's all Genesis chapter 12. Many years have passed. We're all the way to chapter 20 now. The Lord has shown him his faithfulness. Um, He's shown him grace and forgiveness and and encouraged Abraham. And in many ways, Abraham is is a different man now than he was then. He's grown so much. And we've seen a lot of that. But here, once again, he falls into sin again. Same old sin he sinned so many years before. Um, he comes to this place. He's not leaving the promised land. He's down in the south of the promised land, this place called Gerar. Um, he's not leaving because of famine. The text doesn't say anything about that anyway. It says that he's traveling down to Gerar. Abraham is a, is a nomad, so he takes his livestock where there's good pasture. He travels down to the south of the land here, and there, there's a king down here in Gerar. And um, Abraham knows his wife is still very beautiful, and this king is going to want to take her uh, for, for himself. And that Abraham, if he's in the way and the king decides to do this, Abraham's a dead man. So once again, Abraham decides to um, save his own skin. What, what should he have done? How, how could this look different, right? Um, he should trust the Lord, tell the truth, honor his wife. If, if he were walking by faith in this moment, right, isn't that what he would do? Um, he would, he would look, look beyond the present felt danger and say, the Lord is faithful. The Lord has been with me. And, 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 and so I'm going, to, I'm going to trust the promises of God. I'm going to trust that God will be who he's always been for me. And I'm going to do the right thing, even if it feels like the scary thing to do. Um, I'll, I'll man up. I'll trust God. I'll do the right thing. I'll put... I'll put my wife first, and I'll put the Lord first, and I'll trust Him. Um, but instead, he looks at the circumstance, not, not at God. Right? That's what faith does. Faith looks beyond the circum- immediate circumstance and says who God is, but he looks at the circumstances. Abimelech, king, appears to have power to take his life if he chooses to. Abraham doesn't look at how big God is. He starts, God starts to fade from his vision. Abimelech gets, uh, gets, gets front and center for him. Abimelech, this king, gets bigger and bigger. And he starts to look more important and, and more threatening than God himself. And, and pretty soon, um, um, Abraham is, is thinking pragmatism is a better option than obedience for him. Um, he knows what the right thing to do is, but he goes ahead and does the wrong thing. Notice here, brothers and sisters, what Abraham's experience teaches us about how important the fear of the Lord is. That, that's probably the fundamental failure here. Um, he's fearing man instead of fearing God. This is at the root of, of his sin. We could say it's probably at the root of, of most sin, even all sin. Um, to fear the Lord. What does it mean to fear the Lord? It means to have a profound awareness and awe that you live before the face 
of God Almighty, that His eye is on you at every moment, and that you're aware of that. It is to believe that no one can bless you like God can bless you, and no one can curse you like God can curse you. That no one is worth pleasing or living for like He is worth pleasing and living for. And Abraham's forgotten all this. In this moment, he thinks, no, Abimelech can curse me more than God can. He can bring me a worse harm than the Lord. Uh, uh, it's, it's foolish, isn't it? It's crazy for him to think that this king has more power than God. To fear this king over the Lord. But we do the same thing um, all, all the time. We forget that in any given situation, the most important person is God. Um, that that uh, his eye is on us. That pleasing him is the most important thing. It's always more, infinitely more important than pleasing any other person. Um, that we forget that disobedience is the worst thing we can do um, and the most dangerous thing we can do. Uh, we, we forget God's power. We, forget, um, we also forget His love and His grace. I think that's also part of how, what Abraham has forgotten here. We forget the wonderful grace He's shown us, the salvation He's given us, the inheritance He's given us. It all disappears behind the fog of fear in the present circumstance. As we look around and we're, we're scared of something. Um, and, and when we lose that fear of the Lord, that respect of God, that reverence for God, then we start to do what Abraham does here, saying, well, what's, what's the safest thing for my own skin? What's, what's the pragmatic approach? What's the most comfortable pr- approach for me? Not what's the most obedient thing. How do we, how do we fight this? What's the antidote here? Well, it's, the, it's the fight of the good fight of the faith. It's, it's to, again, lift those eyes up again from the, the, the fear-inducing circumstances to the, to, to the God of, of heaven and earth. Um, it's to look up and say, Lord, um, I confess that right now I'm beginning to fear man, lose my fear of you, but you, Lord, are the great and awesome God. You are the judge of all the earth. You are my covenant Lord, my Savior. You've shown me steadfast love, so keep me faithful. Keep my eyes on you, Lord. Keep me obedient to you, no matter what others might say or think or do in response. No matter how hard it is or how much this obedience might cost, I want to please you. Crying out like that to the Lord, He will give you the, the strength and He will, he will uh, uh, strengthen your faith in those circumstances. But Abraham doesn't do that. He runs into sin. The same sin he's done before, as we said, um, and it's not only that he's uh, running into sin, it's also he's, he's putting the whole covenant in danger again, isn't he? At least from a human perspective. The covenant promise to him that God has made, you're going to have a son. It's going to be your son and Sarah's son. And now he's giving his wife to another man, putting the very covenant promises of God apparently in jeopardy. Um, doing this all over again. Interestingly, some, uh, some critical scholars uh, look at this text and say, well, this is just the same story we saw in Genesis chapter 12. They're two kind of, two descendants of the same original myth about Abraham, uh, is what some critical scholars will say. Um, they don't see any other explanation for why we get this record of the same error happening twice. Um, but, but I think the fact that we see it twice is the point. Right? God, God isn't uh, giving us uh, any kind of mistake here. This is the point that it happens twice. That Abraham's inconsistency is the point to show us he's not the hero. That he's faithful one day, faithless the next. Walking by faith one day, walking by sight the next. Um, it's so much like us. Um, we're, we're inconsistent in our obedience. 
One day we, we, we might do well. The next day we, we falter in our faith. We take our eyes off the Lord. Um, we, we, we stumble around in, in, in blind unbelief rather than walk by faith in the promises of God. We go back to the old bad habit. We go back to the same old pattern of sin. And, and it's, only, it's all the more sinful because we, we should know better. Um, 17th century poet John Donne wrote a poem about this. It's a, he has a few good lines in it. In this. He says, Will thou forgive that sin where I begun, which was my sin, though it were done before? Wilt thou forgive that sin through which I run and do run still, though still I do deplore? When thou hast done, thou hast not done, for I have more. This, this, is, this is part of what it is to be a Christian. Right? We cry out to God for forgiveness. We earnestly hate our sin and we're grieved over our sin. We want repentance. And the Lord gives us grace. Uh, and He does forgive us. Uh, but then we, 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 we fail and we fall back into it again. Does He give grace again? And again? He does. Because His covenant of grace is not built on the flimsy cardboard of our good works, but on the concrete foundation of His grace and faithfulness and His promise in Christ. You cannot wear out His faithfulness. You cannot, you cannot, uh, you, you, you cannot uh, 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 wear out His commitment to forgive you in Christ if you are in Christ. And it's that that we see next in the text, this foundation of grace. It's our second heading, a foundation of grace, verses 3 through 7. We see God coming in, intervening, saving him by his grace here um, in, the next, in the next section. Foundation of grace. No sooner has Abraham sinned in verse 2 than the Lord comes in and intervenes in, in verse 3. God comes to Abimelech at night in a dream and speaks with him. He says, indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman you have taken. For she is a man's wife. God is not going to let his covenant fail. He's not going to let, uh, let, 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 um, let, uh, let this go forward. He's, he's not going to let his people come to harm. He's going to protect Sarah. He's going to protect Abraham. He's going to protect the covenant line and a promise. Um, so he warns Abimelech that if he touches Sarah, uh, that he will, he will die. This must have been terrifying for Abimelech, this dream where God himself comes and speaks to him uh, and, and gives him this, this warning. Um, Abimelech responds by telling God that he's innocent. He hasn't touched Sarah. Um, and if he had known that she was another man's wife, he never would have uh, taken her in the first place. Um, um, and we, and as we read that, uh, we shouldn't think, well, that, that was pretty close. The covenant really dodged a bullet there. Um, good thing Abimelech had the, you know, good thing Abimelech um, um, wasn't in a hurry. Uh, otherwise, the whole covenant would have been, you know, over. Um, God's promise is shot. Um, but if we read verse 6. We see that God is in this the whole time through and that the covenant was never in danger by, from God's perspective. He says to Abimelech, Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart, for I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. There it is. God, by His sovereign grace, upholding His covenant, protecting, uh, protecting the covenant line, fulfilling His promise. Abimelech could not have compromised this covenant if he wanted to. God is there, sustaining it by His grace at every point. And then to drive the point home, God says, Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are 
yours. God is showing his commitment to his covenant, his commitment to his people, and his willingness to defend them and, and to, to, to judge all those and destroy all those who will bring that covenant into peril. It shows us God's awesome power to save. I wonder if when Abraham heard this, he um, must, have felt, must have felt embarrassed when he heard about this. Um, just how, how much he forgot about God. Of course God is able to preserve and protect this covenant promise. Of course God is able to, to defend him. Um, Abraham should not have feared at all. God has all power to save his people. So much so that he can even show up to this king, restrain his hand, uh, and, uh, and, and, and command him to give Abraham and his wife back. Um, Abraham should have known this, that all this... Uh, God's power is completely behind this covenant, and it will not fail. Um, the point for us, the point for us, is that God is committed to His covenant and to His people, to His promise and His people, and it doesn't rest on our righteousness, but it rests on His faithfulness, on His commitment. It all rests on Christ. Um, it all rests on Jesus. The whole covenant, all of it, rests on Him, the Mediator. And, and the work he does. This is why the covenant is upheld. That Abraham's faithfulness can't bring, uh, faithlessness can't bring it down because Christ is the faithful mediator on whom this covenant rests. He lifts Jesus uh, at the Lord's Supper, shows us that the, 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 uh, the covenant is the covenant in his blood. He lifts up the cup as he's there at the Passover. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. This covenant is, is, is built on that. It's, it's sealed in that blood. And that's, that's why this covenant is sustained. Um, this, this covenant of grace rests all on Christ. Uh, that, that's why God can be so faithful and so consistent with it, because he sent his son to be our mediator. So brothers and sisters, your salvation, your place in the covenant of grace, your, 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 your place in God's family rests on Christ. Um, it does not rest on your own consistency or your own good works. It rests entirely on Jesus Christ, your mediator. Um, and because God has given him, you can rest assured that he is, he is for you. His grace is with you. Uh, his grace is, is sufficient for you that he will uh, graciously give you all things in Christ. and He'll bring you home safely and to glory. That's the foundation of all our life. So God shows his grace, forgives Abraham his sin, and rescues him from danger. But then he goes on and does more, and he blesses him, abundantly blesses him. And that's what we see in the third and final heading here, at the, uh, the rest of the chapter, a fulfillment of promise, a fulfillment of promise, verses 8 through 18. Um, Abimelech wakes up in the morning, and, and uh, he's in a hurry to obey God. Um, he, he takes God's word seriously. He, he gives Sarah back to Abraham um, because he knows if he doesn't, he will die and his family will die. Um, uh, Abraham explains uh, that he was afraid of being killed here. Um, um, and throughout, throughout the conversation that he and Abimelech have, the, the dynamic appears to be that Abimelech is rebuking Abraham. Abimelech is, is the one in, in, with, with the power. He's the one in control in the, in the relationship between him and Abraham in those first in these verses here. But, um, but then it all switches in verses 14 through 18. And suddenly, Abraham is in the position of privilege and power. 
Um, uh, it's a remarkable turn. Instead of seeing Abraham on his knees before Abimelech, trying to make things right, we, we actually see Abimelech, as it were, on his knees before Abraham. This, 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 this king paying tribute to Abraham and honoring Abraham and, 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 and blessing Abraham. Um, and, and this reminds us that Abraham is the, is the greater one in the story than Abimelech. Abimelech's a king, but Abraham's the chosen one of God, the one through whom he'll bless the world, the friend of God. Abimelech does two things here that we should notice. First, um, he, 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 uh, he uh, g- gives Abraham land to, 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 uh, to, to sojourn in. He says he can have any of the land in this area that he pleases, that he can choose the best pasture for his flocks and herds. He's not giving it to him permanently, um, but he's giving Abraham temporary use of the best land, that he, whatever land he wants in, his, in this kingdom. Um, this is for Abraham a fulfillment of promise. Part of God's promise is the promise of this land, this good land. Um, Abraham doesn't ever fully inherit it, but he gets this foretaste here of that promise that's going to be fulfilled. It's a taste of that fulfillment that will come. The second thing that Abimelech does is he, he gives Abraham a gift. Um, he gives him uh, livestock. He gives him silver. Um, um, he's, he's guaranteeing by this gift that he did not touch Sarah, that she's pure. He's also paying tribute to Abraham, uh, showing that Abraham is above him, the blessed one of God. Um, um, both of these actions here on, his, on, a, on Abimelech's part show us that, that God is working to bless Abraham richly, even through the kings of earth. That God, God is bringing to Abraham, his chosen one, his, the one in whom he delights, he's, he's bringing the tribute of the nations to him. This is just a little sliver of this, this promise, but um, it's foreshadowing what's to come. Later on in Genesis, chapter 49, one of Abraham's descendants, his great-grandson Judah, is going to get a, a promise very similar to what's going on here. Genesis 49.10 says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. This promise there that one of Abraham's descendants is going to receive this in even greater measure than Abraham's getting it now. That the kings are going to come bringing tribute and, and swearing allegiance and, and bowing in obedience before him. This, this descendant of, of Abraham. Um, Psalm 72 also promises this. It says that, 72.11, um, May all kings bow down before him, all nations serve him. Um, so there's this anticipation that is building from the time of Abraham going on to the Old Testament that the nations are going to bring tribute. We see it fulfilled a little bit with, uh, with David and especially Solomon. Um, some of that happens. But, but the, the, the promise builds until Christ himself comes as the king to whom the nations will bring tribute. Um, Paul writes about this, Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 20 through 23 says, God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Um, There's this faint foreshadowing here in Genesis chapter 20 of that promise that one day a descendant of Abraham, Christ himself, is going to sit on the throne of heaven and the nations will bow before him and the tribute will will flow in. Um, That the last day Christ will return, crush every enemy, and uh, and all will be his. Abraham's living in the gap. 
Right? He, he, he's getting this little foretaste of this, this promise that's way in the future, yet to be fulfilled. Um, he's getting this little taste of the inheritance of inheritance to come. Our, our experience as Christians is similar to that in a way. We're living in the gap. We, we, we've gotten a foretaste, a much bigger foretaste than Abraham had. Um, uh, we, we've seen Christ come. We've seen the kingdom inaugurated. We've, we've seen the, the, the whole world, uh, right? Men and women, God's elect, coming to faith in Christ. But there's so much more still to come. Uh, we haven't seen all the kings of earth yet bow before him on the last day of judgment. Um, the kings of earth will give tribute to him. They will bow to him. In fact, they will also give tribute to us, um, to those who are in Christ. We'll reign with, with him, um, not because of any goodness of us, but because of, because of Christ. Um, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. All is yours, Christian. The meek will inherit the earth. He writes in Romans 8, he tells us that if we believe in Jesus, we are heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. That this inheritance that God is bringing to his son is also for those who are sons adopted in the son. Um, it's a staggering promise. This is, this is what God promises to his children, to his inconsistent, sinful, failing children, repeat offending children. Um, those who grieve over their sin turn from it and seek him by faith. There's one more bit of foreshadowing here. Foreshadowed fulfillment in the chapter. Uh, we, we see Abraham being blessed, and that's foreshadowing uh, the blessing that's coming to Abraham's greater son. But we also see Abraham blessing. This is another promise God made to Abraham back in Genesis uh, chapter 12. He also would be a blessing. People would be blessed through him. Nations would be blessed through him. And um, part of what's going on here is a fulfillment of that. And verses 17 and 18, we see that Abraham prays for Abimelech, and God's wrath against Abimelech is turned away because of Abraham's prayer. And God, uh, God, God brings healing through Abraham's prayer. Um, he brings life, he brings blessing as Abimelech's wife and servants bear children. Um, so this is a, a, some kind of fulfillment of that promise to Abraham. The nations will be blessed through you. But it's also, again, just it's a foreshadowing of so much more fulfillment of this promise to come. That one of Abraham's descendants will bring blessing uh, to, to the whole earth. Psalm 72, 17, May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Speaking of one of Abraham's descendants who's going to, who's going to bring peace and healing and blessing on, on, the whole, on the whole world. And brothers and sisters, that's what we see in Christ. We're, we're living in the reign of Christ who is pouring out His blessings on His church. God fulfilling this promise. Giving sinners new life by His Spirit. Uh, giving them forgiveness of sins and, and, and adopting them and bringing them into His family and giving them joy and perseverance and peace and resurrection life. Um, and that's just the beginning of what Christ is doing. This blessing is pouring out. Because a new heavens and new earth is coming where peace rules and righteousness dwells and God rules over all. So we see here this, all this foreshadowed and it's all for Abraham the sinner, the repentant sinner. It's for those who give up self-reliance and self-dependence and self-righteousness and turn to Jesus in faith. 
because he's the hero of the story. Uh, he's, he's the one who is our Savior. He is the one who saves sinners who falter and are inconsistent, and not just saves them, but blesses them super abundantly by his grace. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your grace to us. We stand in need of your grace every day and every moment. Father, we pray that you would guard us and keep us. Keep us in your way. Lord, keep us, keep us with our eyes fixed on our Lord Jesus Christ, his righteousness and his sufficiency and, and his work. And Lord, continue to bless us through him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.